And then there were two. Our matchup is set, you guys, for Super Bowl 56. And we're here to explore betting edges from every angle to help make Super Sunday a lucrative Sunday. So on this show today, we'll be taking an early look at that Rams-Bengals matchup, as well as any prop bets. Chris, let's kick it off with you as the resident Matthew Stafford fan. How would you describe your general approach to betting the Super Bowl? My general approach to the Super Bowl is to uh, uh, take my time and absorb uh, uh, what's available there. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting uh, distracted here. Uh, uh, it is to uh, take it in and absorb it and uh, and not rush into anything, uh, so to speak, Uh that's what I do. I, I actually start off slow a little bit, uh, uh, kind of the opposite of a lot of people like to dive in and, and do it all at once. And uh, I've got to sit back and, uh, and, and watch and absorb uh, policy. We're bringing that hurry up and wait mantra from our preseason shows full circle with the Super Bowl market. And Scott, I want to get your thoughts as well. And I'll toss it to you in the form of a question. Steve W. weighing in early saying most pros, I believe, bet smaller on the Super Bowl. Would that be accurate because it's a well-established market? Um, maybe, you know, maybe smaller per play, but, um, you know, let's, uh, we all know we got one game, which is one side in total, of course. Uh, but now you've got three, four, 500 prop bets potentially. So, um, you know, I, I may not even bet a side or a total, but I could easily have 20 prop plays uh, maybe 40 pop prop plays, you know, depending on where you find value. So uh, now I, for each prop play, I do bet those less than a normal play that I would bet aside or total. Um, but ultimately, I would probably have much more, you know, from a prop standpoint than I would collectively on a side or total for this game. So uh, I'll bet more this game than I would bet on just one game. Um, but it'll be less per bet just to kind of diversify and um, mitigate any risk there to get too heavily involved on one side, especially if it doesn't go the proper way as far as prop bets go. Sounds good. Well, we will dive into the game matchup and some props shortly here. Right off the top, I want to thank everybody for joining us on YouTube. Please take a quick moment right off the top to give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and everybody, this is probably the best show of the season for Q&A, so if you have any questions, as always, go ahead and jump in that chat. Guys, let's take a look now at the odds for the matchup between the Rams and the Bengals. We see the Rams, the designated away team, even though they're playing in their home stadium, laying four and a half, the money line at minus 200, and the total 48 and a half. Uh, one quick reminder here, we will be doing a full breakdown on this game next week. But Chris, something we've done throughout the season that's been really valuable, going to you early in the week for a line move forecast. I take it this spread in total, probably pretty steady, but what do you think of this money line? We haven't talked much about money lines this season. Typically in the Super Bowl, we see some interesting movement when it comes to the money line and possible value on the favorite later in the week. Well, it's it's pretty widely known that, uh, um, you know, for people that have been betting for a while, that traditionally the Super Bowl is the one event that the public completely controls. Um you know, it's hard to believe, but uh, the rest of the season, even though there is so much money bet in the NFL, the, the sharp action or groups, you know, they move the numbers. And in the Super Bowl, 
there are years where the public just takes off and runs with the line. And uh, uh, you can some years find some really great value because the public is on the wrong side. Um, so uh, what I see this year happening with the line, I'm kind of surprised it's kind of risen up to four and a half. And uh, we may actually see a five. And we were talking before the show that, well, maybe the five's not as important. But I want to bring to your attention that uh, coming into this last season, the five has landed more often than the four over the last mm. six years. So think about that. So if you think wow. five, if you think four is an important number, five is, was slightly more important coming into the season. So five's more important than one, two, eight, four. So don't disregard the importance of a five if this line keeps on sliding up. But getting back to what you were saying, traditionally, the public doesn't want to bet. Um, they don't want to lay a price, so to speak. They don't want to, you know, lay a big number. So they will, if they like the favorite, they'll generally lay the point spread so, they, so that they don't have to lay two to one or something like that. Uh, and if they like the underdog, uh, they get enamored by a big price. So uh, uh, they'll take the money line. So this is a game where it's out of skew oftentimes. Uh, one of the great examples was the uh, New York Giants, uh, New England Patriots uh, Super Bowl. There was 14. And that money line was down at the level where you would find maybe a, an eight or a nine point game. It was a huge difference uh, because everybody was just pounding, pounding, pounding the, the money line. So uh, those are some things to consider and take a look at uh, um, to see where the value is, uh, whether it might be a point spread or a money line, depending on which way you're going. If the line holds at four and a half and we do see the money line on the favorite get suppressed, is there a buy price you have in mind, at which point you would take the Rams on the money line strictly out of principle, the value on that number that we typically wouldn't see in any other game? Um. No, not necessarily, but I'm I'm uh, I, I like to use the underdog money lines a lot for for different things that I do. So it, it kind of hurts me in in that kind of direction if the if the underdog money line is depressed a little bit. So I will kind of look to see if maybe I can use the favorite money line and do different things that I would do. Um, uh, you know, just various different props or alternate lines and, and stuff like that, uh, uh, trying to weave them into together. But, you know, that's a little advanced. Uh, <laughs> it gets a little tricky. But uh, just to just to bet it on the square, uh, prob you know, if I like the favorite, then I am going to look a lot closer to the Rams. If I like the dog, I'm going to look a lot more toward the point spread. Noted. And Scott, I want to weave you into the fold here as well. Check me if I'm wrong and assuming you probably don't have anything yet spread money line or total, but much like Chris's line move forecasts have been so valuable throughout the course of the season, your injury updates have just been gold. I know there's not too much to monitor for this matchup, but we do have some key injuries to tight ends on both teams. Anything you're going to be looking for there that could help to shape your betting approach over the next week and a half leading up to kickoff. Well, we're going to monitor it. They both, uh, both tight ends have uh, MCL sprains. Um, pretty questionable if they'll be able to play, but obviously worth monitoring to see if they can go. Uh, if, 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 if neither one can go, 
it brings this total number in terms of what I think the total should be down a little bit. Um, if neither one can go, I think it hurts the Rams um, uh, a little bit more be just because Cincinnati's got quite a few weapons. I mean, the Rams kind of do now with, you know, adding Beckham into the mix. But I do think Higby played a little bit more important role to that offense. So at least where my numbers would take me, it would be a little bit of an advantage for Cincinnati if both held out and certainly would suppress the the overall total a little bit as well because they are two offensive weapons um, that both both teams utilized throughout the year. You know, both guys stepped in uh, last week um, and played okay. So, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe those guys can replace it a little bit. But going to keep monitoring it. Um, it's pretty questionable if either one can go right now, and I don't think we're going to know until injury reports come out literally that Friday before the game. So we got another week and a half probably to, to monitor that a little bit. Yeah, I, I, to your I point. Like to say, okay, I would Chris. like to say I didn't predict the the I didn't think the line would be at four and a half, and right now you can see that there's no uh, there's no strong buy buying it down, uh, and it may continue to rise up a little bit. I I don't think it's going to hit six, but uh, I, I have an interesting uh, tidbit that uh, somebody sent me in my uh, s Slack channel, and uh, so I I can't take credit for it, but. Uh, after the wild card round in the NFL playoffs, the team that opens more than a field goal underdog, so uh, three and a half or more, which would qualify Cincinnati, 56, 37, and one for 60% return, 17% uh, uh, return on an investment. And over the last 19 years, uh, that's over the last 19 years, and 10 and one in the Super Bowl against the spread. So that, that's uh, very interesting trends there. Hey, Chris, Chris was, taking was, a page out of Scott's playbook with the trends. Scott, go ahead. Yeah, they was that um, on money line, and then and then you threw in the ten and one with the spread. Is that is that so? Is that money lined as well, or against? No, that's just uh, ATS. Okay, got it. That's interesting. I'm already seeing some really good prop questions come in through the chat for the live Q&A, and we will get to those shortly. Again, a full breakdown on this matchup coming next week. But just I thought it might be interesting, guys, to talk maybe one factor that we'll be monitoring over the next week that might help to, again, inform that betting approach pertaining to a side money line or total bet in this game. Chris, why don't you tell us about the variance you see in this game as it pertains to the level of variance that we might see in a lot of other matchups? Well, we know from watching games that involve Buffalo and Kansas City and, and some of these high-powered offenses that, uh, you know, we talked about it during the season with the Chargers. You, you, you just don't know what these teams are going to do because they're volatile with going forward on fourth downs. They, they can really light it up and they can really have the defense. You don't know what they're doing week to week. These two teams are two of the most consistent teams that are in the league. So usually during the Super Bowl, you'd see a lot of up and down because there's going to be, you know, a lot of opinion. The, the, the props for this year were probably the easiest to make in a long time because these teams are relatively dependable and predictable, and there, aren't, there isn't a lot of variance to their performance. Uh, so all the more reason to pay careful attention to any variance you see it, you know, when you're looking at these lines, uh, because anything off is going to have more value than a, a traditional game that has more volatility, so to speak. 
And to your point about the variance being reduced in this one, that has me just leaning to the under right now. I know it's been bet down and I don't have any strong intention of betting it, but I'm going to keep a close eye on both the number and the factor that I'm looking at here. My ability to find any reason to really trust either coach here. I mean, both of them have been so run heavy on early downs lately and they've been rewarded for it. I would say they've gotten rewarded perhaps with a good result following a bad process. The Bengals, the third straight week in these playoffs that they won the turnover battle in Kansas City, that outweighed any issues they had with too many runs on early downs. The Rams last Sunday, 11 for 18 on third downs. That's a great conversion rate, but if you're attempting 18 third downs in a game, that's a red flag in and of itself. And I think that if we look at an advanced metric like early down success rate, that tends to be a lot more predictable than a team being able to win the turnover battle or have high success on third downs week over week. So I just wonder why we have a coach in Zach Taylor who stays so run heavy despite having Burrow, Chase, and Higgins at his disposal. And lately with McVay being so run heavy on early downs despite having Stafford playing so well, Cup and OBJ among many weapons in the passing game. I don't know what to make of these coaches with those skill weapons still relying so much on the run game. But Scott, when it comes to the run games in the Super Bowl, a lot to be determined in the trenches as a key factor that you're going to be keeping a close eye on. Yeah, and I think that stuff that you just pointed out, Matt, if the game stays close, it's probably going to play out uh, very true to some of those numbers uh, that you just talked about. Obviously, if one team gets way ahead, then you know running heavy on first down and all that kind of stuff might go out the window. Maybe there's more chances taken, more turnovers that uh, can kind of blow a game up in one way or the other. Um, but if, if it stays close, you're probably going to see some of that running. Uh, Cincinnati is a very slow-paced pace team. The Rams can also be slow paced, but they, you know, they, they have no problem going hurry up. The the thing that I question in this game is Cincinnati as the 31st team in the league as far as lowest sack percentage allowed. So that offensive line has really struggled. And I saw something from Ed Fang yesterday, kind of talking about three or four people with um, uh, the Rams that all have higher pressure rates than you know what Tennessee had or something to that effect. So basically saying, hey, Tennessee got nine sacks on these guys, and now you're bringing three, four bodies um, that all pressure maybe more than maybe the best player on Tennessee or, or something to that uh, relevance. And it, it really makes you think. Uh, you know, I, part of the reason I went against Cincinnati last week is uh, I just felt their offensive line would struggle. Burrow, you know, somehow, some way is overcoming a lot of that stuff. And that Tennessee game, he took a lot of sacks that, that took them out of, you know, uh, situation where they can get a first down or maybe field goal opportunities or created longer field goals. So it wasn't great decision-making. Um, so that part worries me about Cincinnati. Um, the flip side, though, is you go back and look throughout the last game of the year where Cincinnati didn't play their starters. They've only lost, I think, two games by more than three points. So somehow, some way, they stay in game. So it's one of those games where I see a little value on Cincinnati, but the matchup worries me because it seems to favor uh, the Rams a little bit. And I'll I'll spend the next week kind of just seeing if I can find any any edges within that um, that I'm not seeing right now that might get us to one side or the other. And obviously, if the line moves, you know that that could create opportunities as well. I echo exactly what you just said because we we both found a little bit of value on Cincinnati, and when you watch that uh, Rams offense go through the San Francisco offensive or the, the Rams defense going through the uh, San Francisco offensive line. I was wondering how the hell is Cincinnati going to stop that? So uh, some questions I want to figure out before I place a wager. 
Yeah, and we've got somebody related to the game before we move on to props talking about a wager that could impact a hedging decision. Richard asking about a situation where he's got futures on the Bengals, AFC and Super Bowl, obviously won the AFC bet already. Congrats, Richard. The Super Bowl payoff would be high five figures. So with that in mind, would you hedge and how much or how would you go about hedging? He notes he could hedge to guarantee about two thirds of the original Super Bowl future on the Bengals or about 18% if the Rams win. In this kind of hedging situation, guys, any initial thoughts uh, that could help possibly steer Richard in the optimal direction? Well, nine out of 10, you know, almost nearly all the times that you hedge, you're costing yourself value. So you really want to put yourself in a position to, uh, if you're going to hedge, you don't want to be reducing your value and taking away what you already have there. So that's the real dangerous thing is if people choose to hedge with silly hedges, you know, you can't just sit there and, and bang out the Rams minus uh, 220 as your hedge. Um, uh, it's just not worth it. You're costing yourself too much expected value. Um, I, I can tell you what I did with my San Francisco 49ers to win the conference last week. I had 45 to one, so it was a sizable amount that was going to come my way. But I'm not going to bet the Rams on the money line in that situation, which is identical to uh, his situation with Cincinnati this week. Uh, I got more creative on it, and, and I've done it before, is I'll use uh, alternate lines and uh, so that I can at least have a chance of winning both bets. And technically, uh, you want to put yourself in a situation where you're getting some decent odds. So if you're going to use an alternate line, you need to know the value of the alternate lines and whether that alternate line is a good value or not. Because if it's not, a, if you can't just take an alternate line for the sake of taking an alternate line. It has to be in itself a bet that is worth making by itself, if that makes sense, or very, very close. So uh, that that's the way I hedged last week, and uh, I almost won it. Uh, I had uh, plus three and a half with the Rams, and it very well could have swept the board on that. Uh, but I also, you know, took some in-game uh, plus three hundred, uh, Rams plus three even money. Um, you have to be active uh, with your in-game options, and uh, um, just don't take away too much expected value on a hedge. Yeah, I, I would answer, um, first of all, on the in-game stuff, just remember sometimes it's tough to get a lot of money down in in-game, so just be aware of that, um, that you know you might, depending on how much money you're trying to get back, you just might not have that opportunity. So know, kind of know what those limitations are. I remember back in 2010, I'd bet the uh, Packers to win the Super Bowl uh, and literally bet it, um, I think right before the playoffs started, at 13-1. to 1. And they got to the Super Bowl. They were playing the Steelers. They were favored. So, you know, I walked into a casino here in Vegas and uh, I saw Fezzik and Fezzik said, what are we on today? And I said, well, we got the Packers, so I'm going to take some money line. And he quickly stopped me and the only way Fezzik can do that. He's like, no, 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 no. Get over here, right? You handicappers think you know everything. And, but what he was showing me, there was actually a special opportunity where the, the sports book was actually giving some added value on top of what the money line actually was. He's like, you want to play this, you're going to get whatever it was, I don't remember, another 10 cents or 15 cents on the money line. And and then I just, you know, you just decide what you want to, to uh, you know, Chris's point, you don't want to give away all your uh, value on that. But you also have to ask the question, like, how much does this money mean to you as well? You know, if uh, 
if you're in a really good situation, this money means everything to you, walk away with something, I think, even if you're giving up some value. Uh, if you're just a, a grinder on betting and stuff, then yeah, you just don't want to give up too much value as, way, as, as well. And, and to Chris's point, there can be other, just think creative, run it by different people because there might be an option out there that you're just not aware of that might not be 100% correlated, but might be correlated enough that gives you another way to approach this um, that saves you a little bit of money. Just like you know, when Fuzzik gave me that opportunity, whatever it was, an extra 10 or 15 uh, points, um, that was worth it. So, you know, if you're, if you're really out of options, is uh, I remember somebody asked me about their Alabama futures for, uh, and I said, and he needed to hedge with Alabama. I mean, he was going to get a lot of money, and there's no way to hedge when you've got a you know minus 350 favorite. So, uh, but what I suggested is, well, if you have events that you already know you're going to bet later on, maybe you're going to be betting. Uh, uh, NBA the next day or NHL or soccer or whatever, well, then put your money line hedge into the front leg of a parlay. Uh, so at least you get a little, uh, you're already making the second bet already, uh, but at least part of your hedge is going to be amplified a little bit with your 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 Sunday hedge uh, into your Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday wager. And it, 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 you get a little extra kick. So it's, it's not great, but at least it's an option. Chris, you talk about other sports. Scott, you mentioned maybe some outside-the-box ways to try to find some correlation, and I think that can take us into the props portion of this episode. And first, let's start at a high level, just some basic strategy tips. We have a question from Steve in the chat. I think Bodie asked a similar question. Um, in Steve's words, there are so many Super Bowl props to go through. How do you know where to start? Do you automatically eliminate some immediately? Are you looking for any familiar ones each year. So guys, I guess uh, answering that question to the note of what's your general approach to the Super Bowl prop menus? I, the number one important thing is to pay very careful attention to the wording of props. You can get very, very similar uh, wording for props that can be something entirely different. So, uh, that's my number one piece of advice to offer is uh, familiarize yourself with everything that's available and make sure that you understand clearly uh, what the what the proposition and the offer is uh, because uh, some of it can be confusing. Yeah, and Chris, when it comes to not just the wording of the prop, but how... I don't know. I don't know, that's like... All right, I guess we've been back for a, a quick moment here. Um, we had a technical difficulty at the BetUS studio, but we're here to resume the conversation, talking props. Uh, I think we got cut off somewhere in the middle of your early answer, Chris, so I'd like to reset with the question we got from Steve in the chat. I believe Bodie had a similar question, basically getting at the notion that there are so many Super Bowl props and on that end, how do you know even where to start? Are there some you automatically eliminate? Are there others that you're familiar with that you go back to year after year? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I like to concentrate on the alternate lines uh, myself, uh, so I'm always keeping an eye on those and trying to memorize those. Um, and, you know, maybe some of the larger props. Uh, I don't, for, for me, I don't have a history of diving into uh, a lot of the um, uh, lesser props, the more specific props that other people may focus on. But I'm going to be changing my opinion on that and, and really looking up and down, uh, you know, uh, now that there are larger limits and, and they're more widely accepted. Uh, back in the day, it was kind of frowned upon uh, to, to really uh, bet a lot of props. So uh, I have an interest in it. And, uh, um, you know, uh, cross sport props are something that uh, I like to uh, I want to take a look at. Um, you can you can find some really good cross sport uh, propositions that are a little bit off. Uh, maybe there's some mistakes there with the you know a book trying to get a little too cute and creative and uh, didn't think it out as well. Anything unusual is what you really want to look at uh, as far as I'm concerned. If the if the if the prop is the same that you're going to see everywhere, well that doesn't stand out for me. I want to see what's unique. So uh, those are the things that I'm looking at. And for the props that we do see everywhere, I think one thing that every better can try to do is get the best of the number. Mm -hmm. And to that end, anybody who's watching this, if you don't have a BetUS account already, now's the time. There's a really good variety of prop bets already up. Uh, looking at my screen now, I think I tried to do a quick count, probably a little north of 150 already up and running. And that can continue to grow over the course of the next week and a half. Also some good new customer incentives at BetUS. So give yourself that option. Um, getting the best of the number, always really helpful, especially for some of those props that Chris mentioned that might be available at a lot of books. Doesn't necessarily mean the same price will be available at every book. And guys, one more question from the chat that that can lead us into would be Michael noting that uh, with so many Super Bowl prop bets, how many betting sites should an average better have access to in order to be competitive with that market? Um, I've heard, you know, some, sometimes the most you can get, you know, the most options you'll give yourself, but it can become diminishing returns after so many accounts, um, for an average better, maybe somewhere around three or five. I know a lot of pros have dozens. What are your guys' thoughts on somebody just having enough to give themselves a bit of an edge there? Yeah, I think, I think that three to five range, Matt is pretty good. Cause it, it just opens up the door to have a few other opportunities you might not see somewhere else. Um, and you're going to see different prices at, at, at different locations as well. So um, three to five, I mean, uh, you know, unless unless you're betting a lot of money and, and all that kind of stuff, which you are, if you are, you, you know, you're probably a professional and got a whole bunch of uh, other options anyway. But um, I think three to five is, is a pretty good number. And like you said, with BetUS, they've got some good promotions going and whatnot. So um, that's a good opportunity to pick that one up if you haven't. But Three to five, and I think that's more than enough for the casual better. Sounds good. Well, sticking with a few tips that we can share with people, Scott, a notion that you've touched on with Super Bowl props specifically, looking at season-long stats with a bit of a grain of salt, considering this all boils down to a one-game sample size. Yeah, I, you know, when, when I'm looking at this stuff, and let's take like last week, for example, uh, in that Rams 49ers games, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, his number of passing yards, I don't know. It, it ranged anywhere from, you know, maybe 225 to 230, give or take a little bit more than that. Um, 
So kind of A, just pointing out that, again, slightly different numbers at some places. But what we noticed with Garoppolo is that when they were playing a competitive game, the Niners like to run the ball. And so if they're beating a team 41 to 13, they're just going to run their misdirection. They're going to run the ball. Garoppolo isn't going to get nearly as many opportunities as he would in a competitive game where either they're maybe going to be behind or they know they have to kind of keep scoring um, to stay on top of a team because that team can challenge them. And so when we look back at some of those games, Garoppolo was throwing for a lot more than that 225 to 230 yards that that prop bet was offering, which meant basically that he was probably a pretty good proposition on the overpassing yards. He got to 235. I think he threw like a three-yard negative pass. So I think he ended up at 232, but it got over. But when I'm looking at these props, I try to look at every game they play. You can kind of get an overall seasonal average. But then also, I try to take a look at them. Maybe how have they done in scenarios that are similar to the profile of a team that they're going to play in this game? And can you find some edges there where maybe they're throwing for more passing yards? Or maybe it's more difficult and they're not getting as many opportunities uh, and whatnot. And over the years, I've found a lot of opportunities that way where you just try to segment their stats throughout the year uh, with certain games that they've played, which more line up with what they're going to play in terms of the opposition in this game. And I think you can find a lot of value that way. And, and hopefully we'll find some of those that we, you know, we'll give out on next week's show as well. You know, I had, Chris, uh, in addition to the... I was going to see an interest in the matchup, uh, the regular season versus the playoffs. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I, the Garoppolo prop last week uh, was very interesting for me because uh, we talked about it, and I decided to bet the over 230 and a half. And later on, I noticed, well, there's there's a place that has 234 and a half, and then there's another place that has 232 and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, but the 232 and a half was plus 110. So mm -hmm. it, it's important to know. Well, you know there's a middle there, and you can get a free middle, 232.5 to 234.5, but which is the better play than to play 230.5 to 230 to 234.5 laying 110? So uh, just because you find middles, it doesn't mean you take them necessarily. You want to make those free if at all possible, because uh, especially if you're talking about the nosebleed numbers like that. But if you're looking at... Uh, the, the lower ones, like fumbles and field goals and receptions and stuff like that that are single digits, a half point can be huge. So uh, it has a lot more value. So you got to pay attention and monitor the lines carefully. And Scott, hey, just, something – go ahead. Sorry, Matt. Um, th there's a website out there um, that I subscribe to, and I don't – so I don't know if this information is free or if you have to subscribe to it, but – uh, profootballfocus.com is a very good website for a lot of different things, uh, but they have a player prop tool. So you can actually go there for a Matthew Stafford over passing TDs, and you can put in your line that your book or books have, and it'll tell you if there's edges on the over, under, or no edge at all. Now, you know, what their edge is, that's not always 100%, you know, and I wouldn't ever suggest just blindly following that. But if you do have, like, the, the plus 110 Chris was talking about, at 232 and a half and you know minus 115 at 228 and a half you can get a gauge of where the value is and where that crossing point is so you know take a look at that and uh, that can be a tool that you can use as well to kind of help figure out where the edge is because when you're finding value here you're trying to find value with the number but the corresponding money line that goes with that 
is hugely important to whatever number you're betting over or under on. And that site can be a little bit of a help to, to kind of help gauge that as well if you don't have your own way of calculating that. Scott, talk to me briefly about how you align your prop portfolio with how you see the game breaking out from a handicapping standpoint and also possibly looking to diversify to avoid any overexposure overly aligning with your game handicap. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, some people will suggest against this, but I try to get a feel for where the game's going to go, how it's going to play out. And then right or wrong, my props kind of align to that. And you can take on a lot of risk that way. So my, I think, as we said earlier, my prop bets are lower than what they would be for just a normal side or total. So, you know, if a side or total, you know, I'm betting X, and that, of course, adds up to 100% of my bet, I might be at 150% of my normal bet with the prop bets. But each one is a lower bet. So you're just diversifying your risk there a little bit. And and then you get some prop bets, though, that aren't necessarily geared to one team necessarily. They're just general prop bets. You know, in, in a couple that I've followed for a number of years, more scoring in the second half than the first half. That doesn't necessarily relate to a specific team. Um, or uh, let me look at the other one that I've typically played very often. Um the other one is team that scores last wins the game. Yeah, so those aren't really you know tied to uh, a team, so you're not you're not risking anything from that standpoint. They're really irrelevant to uh, whatever team you might like necessarily. But those have been winners, and I'll I'll try to look at them as long as those prices stay competitive as well. Um, so you can get diversification that way as well, and it's not necessarily all lining up with the flow of the game. You know, favor towards one team or not. You know, a couple of things there too is. It, Traditionally, you kind of know that uh, there's usually a little bit more value on betting unders, but the Super Bowl is different, uh, and you can find lots of value on the overs. So it's uh, something to keep in mind there. But uh, getting back to what the, the question was there, you have to kind of develop a narrative that you see happening and make sure that whatever you're doing kind of follows that narrative. Uh, you don't want it to add up too much and get too top heavy on it. And then also a mistake people can make is trying to run multiple narratives that contradict each other where, you know, they're trying to, you know, have backups and such, uh, and they don't take the time to figure out, well, if this happens, then I'm going to lose all this and I'm not really doing well at all. So, you know, beware of contradicting props you're taking and, and the actual cost to, you know, what you, you're going to have going for the day. Yeah, something you touched on a moment ago, Chris, that I'll reiterate the timing of when to make these bets, because in the Super Bowl, if unders tend not to have as much value due to the urgency of the situation, the star players probably going to get more targets, maybe get more yards, whatever it may be. Um, I think that taking overs or any game props with big plus money attached, the earlier, the better, generally speaking. And then if you're looking to play an under or any bet with significant big attached, usually playing those later on can get you the best of the number once the public money generally tends to be on overs and plus numbers. Once that's had its effect on the marketplace, if you're looking to go the other way, some good value to be found on game day. And I know that uh, in the chat, Oddsbreakers brought up the good point, um, noting that being the public narrative may have already swung toward the Rams defense. Do you guys think that some of these over under totals might get bet down a little bit earlier this particular Super Bowl? It's it's quite possible because I think there is a defensive narrative. Uh, you know, the total's coming down. It opened at 50 and a half, and it's down to 48 and a half. 
and uh, I, um, I, I, I don't see anybody professing that it's going to be some shootout. So that's that's quite possible there. And uh, you know, touching back to what you were saying, Matt, uh, uh, there were years where we just would twiddle our thumbs. Seriously, we wouldn't do anything until uh, Saturday morning. We'd start working the Super Bowl, and we'd start looking for all the lay the big price props. And it was more on Sunday mornings, but we Saturday we'd start working it and familiarizing ourselves because Sunday we'd have a bag full of money going and whatever value we could find on laying heavy prices that have been built up and lowered because everybody's taking the plus money, we come back in and take those better prices. So uh, you'll, you'll see better uh, value laying a price later on, like you, uh, you said, Matt. Yeah, and while there is value to be had later on, plenty of specific bets we can touch on next week. There are some that I know we've already gotten involved in. So talking specific prop bets that we already have in pocket, uh, Chris, I know you have one on the MVP market. It's a bit of a dart throw, but could have plenty of value to it. And um, I want you to speak to that. But first, I want to address the question from Steve in the chat. Any shot for Burrow to win the MVP? I'm sitting on a 50 to 1 ticket on him. Obviously, that 50 to 1 ticket has all kinds of value. Looking at Burrow now, just a touch north of plus 200. Um, you guys talk to me a bit about how this does tend to be a quarterback award. Well, that touches a little bit uh, on if you like the Cincinnati Bengals and you were going to take them on the money line, you'd, you'd kind of want to consider, well, what are the odds that somebody besides Burrow gets the MVP? And if you can get Burrow at plus, you know, a, a large number, you know, 250 to 300, well, maybe that's a different way to bet the Cincinnati Bengals uh, and get a better price. Now you can outsmart yourself. Uh, in those situations, but it's just something to be aware of. But uh, yeah, I think he's got a great shot if Cincinnati wins that game. Uh, I, I think he's 85% uh, likely to get that MVP award. I agree. I mean, anything they do offensively is going to be run through him. Uh, it's probably going to be via passing for the most part uh, in some way, shape, or form. So uh, he has an excellent chance. And then defensively, I mean, unless some player just out of nowhere ends up with three interceptions and a pick six or something, you know, you got maybe a Trey Hendrickson um, is one of the few players on defense that could possibly do something. So clearly Burl's your best option uh, if you're looking at it from a Cincinnati standpoint. And, um, yeah, they've got Chase and whatnot. But even if Chase has a big game, Burl is probably going to have a big game along with them. And I think people like Burl. So, you know, that might favor him a little bit as well. Uh, not that people don't like Chase, but Burrell is just a very likable kid. So if they're winning this game, more than likely it's going to him. Scott, you make a good case about Burrow and, and this being a quarterback award, but you also mentioned pick sixes. And Chris, to that end, tell us about your look at Jalen Ramsey. Well, yeah, I, I took a flyer on him at 100 to 1 for MVP just because it's an asinine number. But, uh, you know, yeah, those are two. want it bet us right now. Yeah. Uh, so uh, even that's a you know pretty strong number. I mean those are those are you know pizza bets or sandwich bets uh, that you make. Um, but I kind of like the I don't know what it is, but the first thought that I had uh, on this game, uh, and I'm problem solving this on the air live, is I kind of feel like there's going to be some turnovers in this game, and uh, uh, how I'm going to approach that, I'm not sure. So you've got the interceptions, you've got the fumbles. Um, 
and and I don't know how many different ways uh, or options there are to to bet, you know, turnovers. But I, I it just seems like you've got, uh, uh, I, you know, with these coaches and uh, um, a lot of new players in the game, a lot of pressure. Uh, it, it just feels like uh, there's bound to be some turnovers. So that's just uh, it's just a gut feeling. I don't have any uh, metrics or data to support it, but that, that's just where my first impressions were. I'm looking, as you say that, Chris, at the BetUS prop menu, we've got Joe Burrow over half an interception. So essentially, yes, to throw a pick, minus 135. Matthew Stafford, minus 150 to throw an interception. And then, Chris, I know you like cross-sport prop bets, and we've even got something like what will be higher, Sidney Crosby assists or Joe Burrow interceptions. Crosby assists, minus 140, Burrow interceptions, plus 110. But there are a lot of creative ways we can start to look at this uh, yes, no interceptions, or even in the cross-sport betting markets. Yeah, and you've got to you've got to pay attention if there's any rules in some of this stuff too, because what what happens if uh, when you have got these head-to-heads? Uh, what happens if uh, an event gets canceled or a player doesn't play and stuff like that? So uh, you want to be aware of those circumstances ahead of time. But uh, uh, um, yeah, that's the type of stuff that I like to look at. Hey, and just on and, that, you know, as far as like looking at the wording. Like the one prop I mentioned earlier where uh, more points scored in the second half than the first half, you know, I've seen that, and I'm making up a number now because I haven't even looked at the prop yet, but it might be minus 165 for more points scored in the second half versus the first half. But you also might have someone that offers, again, making up a number, minus 120, but it's actually minus a half point where the second half actually has to outscore the first half. And that little subtle difference, uh, you know, that can be pretty valuable. So, A, you need to realize that. So don't just say, hey, it's 120, okay, more points. Well, it's actually a half point more, um, and that can make a big difference. And it still might be more valuable based on whatever number you get. But to Chris's point, you got to read that wording. Uh, I've bet that before, like the minus half point worked out okay, but you realize that after the fact, you're like, shoot, I should have read that a little bit closer. And let's talk about that prop specifically because it's one of my favorite to bet early every year once the Super Bowl matchup is set. And I have taken at that US the second half to be the highest scoring half. I got it when it opened at minus 110. It's gone up just a touch, minus 115. I still see plenty of value there. I think part of the handicap teams tend to have nerves early in the Super Bowl. They don't want to blow it right from the outset. And in the second half, as things open up, there is no reason not to just empty the tank. I also like a point I touched on earlier when we were breaking down the game. McVeigh and Taylor both going pretty big on early down runs, and we're pretty much guaranteed to have a neutral game state early. Scott, to your point later on, if a team is trailing, they can't run so much early. That could open up the passing game, so that could bode well for more points in the second half. And I also think that's a critical point about reading the fine print. Some books list this with a two-way line, so a tie would get you a push. Other books have a three-way line where the tie doesn't win. And generally, I think that a two-way line versus a three-way line is worth about 10 cents. In other words, if ties push, I make this good up to minus 145. And if ties lose, then I like the second half to outscore the first half up to minus 135. Does that sound about right to you, Scott? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I'd have to look at it a little bit closer. But you, you can kind of... S- in some ways, you can kind of see the value of it by just looking at the number, different numbers that they offer for each of those bets too. But uh, that's probably pretty accurate. I'd have to think about it a little bit. Um, but you're, you're probably on track there. 
Awesome. All right. Well, I think that's one that, you know, as much as we're talking, you know, some strategy and some bets we'll get to earlier on, or excuse me, later on when we do this next week, uh, early on second half to out for the first half, I think there's plenty of value where you can find that now at better than minus 135. And another bet that I'll run by you guys that I'm really liking, no onside kick attempt in the game. I'm seeing that right now at BetUS at minus 180. And I consider it good up to minus 250. And for some context, in the regular season this year, we had a record low number of attempts, just 56, and a record high number of games, 272, with that 18th week tacked on. And if we're assuming that no games had multiple attempts, the maximum percentage of games with an onside kick in the regular season would have been 20%. And that equates to a no-vig line of minus 400. We're looking at minus 180 here. And... Okay, if 20% equates to minus 400, minus 180 equates to more than a 35% likelihood that we see an onside kick attempted in this game. I get it. It's the Super Bowl. Maybe it's more likely that teams pull out the stops and do something out of desperation. But I don't think that gap is big enough to get us from about one in five games during the regular season to about that one in three probability that it would take not to make this bet for the Super Bowl. Any thoughts on that one, guys? I still think the Lions had two onside kicks in the game. Are you sure about that? <laughs> well, even even if they tried multiple onside kicks in a game, then uh, this minus 400 no-big line would only go up from there because that's one more game, therefore, that wouldn't have had an onside yeah. kick attempt. Um, and, of course, the Lions uh, – sorry, Chris. They might be far away from seeing the field in the Super Bowl, although as a Chargers fan, I think I'm sitting in the same boat with you there. Well, it's okay. We're happy to see Matt there. We all wish him well, but uh... – I that that's something I you know what it, I think what's really dangerous is playing around with stuff that you really uh, other than for a sandwich money that you don't have any familiarity with uh, you know uh, this is supposed to be a fun type of thing and you make a lot of fun bets don't get me wrong um, and for those you kind of go with your gut uh, a lot of the times because it's a one game variance and, and whatever the long term history is in certain situations. Uh, this is one game, and that's all that matters uh, to to most people in a big game like this. So uh, it, it's not stuff that I focus on for a big bet by any means. But uh, uh, if you do, you better have some support for it, like like as you demonstrated there. Yeah, I feel that that supports this bet enough. But I like your point about bankroll management, just because I think, hey, I'm having to pay, you know, a pretty good discount for something relative to its probability in the regular season there may well be an onside kick in this game and i'm not going to let that ruin my day or put me at any sort of you know financial situation that would be unpleasant so i think it's important to keep that in mind another bet i mean looking ahead to something that maybe i'll speak more to on next week's show um i typically look to get the best number i can on no safety and if we don't see the number get low enough there's no need to force the play but if it gets much better than 10 to 1 that's a bet that i'll often make late thinking at 10 to 1, we're looking at a 91% break-even probability. It's nowhere near 10% or 9% here. It's the number of games that have a safety occur. I think we'd be looking at a break-even probability closer to 95% to be okay. Well, and we everybody probably remembers that run of three straight Super Bowls with a safety. Yes, again, it's a different dynamic. So maybe there's something to the Super Bowl that would have the probability of a safety higher than a typical game. But if you're getting better than 10 to 1, I still see enough value. And it all comes down to risk tolerance. To some people, that might not be enough. Or some people want to bet the yes just because it's for fun, even if there's no value. It's fun to get a big plus payout if it occurs. 
But if I'm looking at this from just a big lifetime Super Bowl portfolio value standpoint, if I can get better than 10 to 1, then no safety is going to be high on the radar. Yeah, and, and as you referenced, it's, was it three Super Bowls in a row? I, I knew it was two, but uh, uh, there, there were a, mo a lot of people that had 50 to 1 on the first score of a game being safety, and that was that made some big news because that, uh, that cost dearly uh, some of the shops. But um, th those are fun bets. Like you said, uh, if you can stomach it, it's, anything can happen in one game, and – you know, what Scott and I do with the small margins and value that we find, we know that over time we're going to come out ahead. But there is no overtime. This is the last game. So if you can stomach one game laying 10 to 1, yeah, you're a favorite to win that one. and You're getting value, but anything can happen. Yeah, well, you say there is no overtime, and I will paraphrase that by saying no overtime, another bet at a similar <laughs> price point that you can often find value on come game day. But for now, the no safety, no overtime markets. If you're looking to bet that way, if you have the risk tolerance, just sit back and wait because right before kickoff is probably when those numbers are going to bottom out. One more prop bet I wanted to run by you guys that I have every intention of betting, but I'm also waiting to place based on how the market historically responds yes to a team to score three unanswered times i think we'll probably see that in the range of minus 200 right now those numbers are a little bit higher so again we can sit back and wait but minus 200 implies a 67 percent break-even probability i think the true probability is on the other side of 70 percent and i get that it can seem a little counterintuitive um close games it can feel scary you know this point spread four and a half not saying any one team should really run away from the other but if we look at just last week, we had two games decided by three points. In the AFC title game, the Bengals scored three straight times. and the NFC title game, both teams had runs of scoring three straight times. And I think a subtle edge here, teams can often be the last to score in the first half and the first to score in the second half. You don't necessarily need multiple stops on defense for this to get home. So something that sounds more unlikely than it usually is, if we see minus 200 for a team to score three unanswered times, that's also going to be part of my Super Sunday portfolio. Well, this this touches on understand your wording very carefully. Uh, don't be afraid to ask stupid questions uh, because uh, I'll guarantee you're going to get a lot of different answers. Three straight scores. Does the extra point count? Does a two-point Yeah, and that, I don't know if that's ever counted in any book, but good to be aware of, to your point. Well, a lot, if, hey, you know, a touchdown, a two-point conversion, and a field goal. Is that three straight scores? You better know the answer to that. Well, you know what? Yeah. That one comes into play a lot, Chris, too, is how many players will score, uh, you know, for, for a team, right? And the extra point does count for that typically, right? Um, the two-point conversion, you know, if it's a different person scoring. Um, that'll come to play there. And it just goes back to what you say. Just read the fine print, ask questions. Your question's going to be a lot stupider after the game than before right. the game when, when you're asking why you didn't collect on it, right? And there it was, you know, saying something that you should have just known. So just always ask questions, 100%. Yeah. Speaking of asking questions, we've got one more good one from the chat that I'm seeing right now that I'd like to get to. Joey asking a moment ago, uh, do you find value in entertainment props? Seems that without inside info, it's hard to find any value in those. Are they best avoided altogether, or are there good opportunities mixed in? What do you guys think about the entertainment, or as a lot of books would call them, novelty props? 
Yeah, but there's always value to be found on those if you do your research. Uh, um, and if you're monitoring a market, uh, it's, you know, a lot of this stuff leaks out. I think, you know, wasn't it last year with the national anthem where they just took it off mm -hmm. the board? So because somebody put a video out on Twitter and uh, of the rehearsals and it was like 20 seconds off and, you know, everybody just got pounded. So if you're in the right place at the right time, uh, you might be able to take advantage of that stuff. But if something looks completely out of whack, uh, there's probably a reason for that, uh, you know, uh, especially with, you know, you know, colors of Gatorade and, and, and things that are probably known by people ahead of time that can leak out. So you just have to be careful on those. But fortunately, the books are smart enough to have lower limits on that type of stuff that can be exploited. Yeah, and the low limits might be also a benefit to better sometimes because some of these, there's not really a way to handicap. If it's just for fun, I totally get the notion of getting in play. I mean, I'm seeing a novelty profit bet US right now. Will Snoop Dogg smoke on stage during the halftime show? <laughs> yes, plus 195, no, minus 235. I think this one opened around minus 400. So a lot of yes money coming in. Maybe somebody's got some inside info. I'm kind of waiting, kind of like the props we just discussed. I'm waiting for this to bottom out. I don't see how he does this on that kind of stage. So for a low limit, I'm willing to get in play, but that's just fun money, totally different than the kind of bets where you think you've got a substantial edge in play. Well, they, they should have won up it. And if so, what is he smoking? So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, oh, the man. other thing that's... on that too, you have to consider the character, right? Like uh, Snoop Dogg, I mean, that, that's a wide variable of what he might do. You know, I was I was just at an event not too, uh, I guess it was in November, and Tim Meadows spoke, and Tim Meadows' contract said uh, no Effenheimers and PG-13 material, and he just ripped that contract up. He did not care. Uh, it was, you know, about as bad as it could be, hysterical at the same time, but so different characters are probably more in line with following rules than others, and Snoop Dogg seems to be the kind of person that might do some things to his own beat a little bit more than what a contract might say or something, so. Yeah, and I think uh, Mark is probably agreeing with you in the chat, Scott. I see, yes, weed is legal in LA now. So yeah, maybe maybe a case where, uh, unless that no drops down quite a bit, I'll, I'll just sit on my hands. No. But uh, yeah, fun <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, fun stuff like that can definitely spice up Super Sunday. Guys, uh, any final thoughts as we hit the home stretch here with our early look at the Super Bowl matchup and props? Uh, I would just say, you know, as I said earlier, you got one side in total here. Uh, it is absolutely fine to not bet any of that uh, if you don't see a clear advantage because we've got 200, 300, 400 props out there, and you're more likely probably to find some advantages there than maybe in the side or total. Take advantage of that. It's like waking up on a Saturday morning and seeing, you know, 150 college basketball games. These, those just happen to be sides and totals. But the prop market in the Super Bowl is offering the same type of opportunities in terms of sample size that you can attack. Just do, do a little extra homework. Try to find some value um, and then enjoy it. Don't, don't overbet, obviously. If it's going to pain you to lose, you know, all your bets or a good part of your bets, you probably need to cut them back down, but there's plenty of opportunity here well beyond the side and total in this game, and that's the beauty of the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I agree. You need to ask yourself, if the game if the game score finishes this, how do I finish 
And am I going to hate myself Monday morning if that score happens? I mean, have fun with this. Just uh, have fun. Well said, guys. On that note, we can wrap it up. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in. We've taken our early look at the matchup and some prop strategy, some specific prop bets. We overcame our second power outage of the season. So we're ready to put a bow on this and start looking forward to next week's show. And if you're still with us on YouTube and have found value in this conversation, please, again, take a quick moment, give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and we will be back with you at the same place at a different time next Tuesday, back to our regular time slot, Tuesday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Pacific. That'll be our full breakdown on the game and props, and we'll close the loop on any big developments in the betting market over the course of the next week. Until then, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time right back here at BetUS, where the game begins.